What's going on, all you sick fucks? Today on the Landy Lodge, we've got Dan Muller. Dan Muller is a musician, more specifically a drummer, out of Long Island, New York. His work includes the most recent album released by Whaleneck, entitled The Giving Tree. You can get it at whaleneck.bandcamp.com. He also posts a large variety of drum covers onto Instagram and has plans in 2019 to launch a YouTube channel to host these drum covers in full. You can find Dan on Instagram and Twitter at TheDanMuller. But before we dive in, first, a word from our sponsor. You have no idea how efficient, efficient people get. It's completely, it's off the charts. What would you be like? What would you be like? Two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. We got Dan the Man Muller here in the lodge today. Dan, what's going on? Dude, Super Fry's back. Super Fry's back, baby! <laughs> Super, Fry's Super Fry's back, Fry's back <laughs> motherfuckers! Holy shit! This is, this is a historical day in Long Island history. In Merrick, New York especially. Yes. Uh, for those that don't know what Super Fry is... Uh, it's a very local, I don't even, I don't want to call it a restaurant. It's just a food joint. It's like a sandwich shop. It's a sandwich it's shop. paninis, burgers, stuff like that. And it has the best, is, is the Sazzini even, what is it? I think the Sazzini is technically a panini. Is it? The Sazzini, because I would think like the Sazzini panini. I, gu- I guess that's fair. You know, I, I would guess. I really don't know. I, I We'd have to get Super Sandwich Joe on here to <laughs> tell us what his classification of a we, panini is. We better get a review. Of the Sazini. I told him open like opening day. Like it has to it has to be a thing. You would think so, right? I mean it's <laughs> would you say that Super Fry, at least in our short lifespan, was the most famous sandwich shop in Merrick? Because my hero is technically Belmore, isn't it? Uh I guess my hero is Belmore. I was gonna say my hero right off the bat, but Super Fry is definitely second. You would think so. Probably a honorable mention to La Cucina, which used to be not too far from Super Fry. Rest in peace, uh, Jose. We miss you. Um, but dude, I'm so psyched. It's like, you know, I, I wonder if like I'm actually going to go the day it opens, but I feel like it's going to be a madhouse. It's going to be insane. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just, I'm going to wait maybe a week before I go because every day like the amount of chickens they're going to have to slaughter to make those is going to be unreal well that's the thing is like I, wa- I want to see what they're going to do this time because what happened to Super Fry was the reason they went out of business was because Calhoun stopped letting their upperclassmen go off campus for lunch except for seniors I think seniors are still out yeah. to but by the time you're a senior you have a car and you're going to All-American you're going to Taco Bell you're doing the crazy runs so sophomores and juniors couldn't go out to lunch anymore. And that was primarily their business during lunch hours. Like if you remember in high school, there was a line out the door almost every day, no matter what lunch period it was. Yeah. I also think that they're going to have to, I mean, they're going to, I think they're going to have to raise their prices because their, their lunch menu was what, $6 for the meal. That's the student plan. Yeah. That's it never student. raised in price. Well, I think, I think after students, it was like nine or $10 to get the Sazzini with the fries. Just the Sazzini was still six. But I'm not even thinking they need to raise their prices. What they need to do is drastically just shrink the fucking menu. I, I've seldom True. been in there. It's like, why are you stocking up for with pork? Like, what pork item are you selling? I've only seen you sell Sazinis and fries. You know? Okay. There's one very underrated item. 
on the super fry menu that I hope they don't get rid of. They're burgers. I have had a super fry burger. They're so good. And it's really good. They're so good. And nobody gets them because they're just like, oh, they're not a burger place. Why would you get They're so good. Get them. (laughs) I'm talking to you. (laughs) Super fry burgers. We're, but that's the thing, man. It's like I got the super fried burger and it was good, but it's like I'll never get this again because I'd rather have a sazini. That's true. Once I had the, I never had a sazini um, before the burger. Before the burger, the burger came before the sazini. Yes. Yeah, so once I had the sazini, I was I, I couldn't go back. I don't think I ever went back. To the <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, man. It was it's it was their sandwich. Like the sazini belongs to super fried. Now I've gone to other delis. Even this one across the street, Fireside Deli, which is an immaculate deli. And I've tried to get them to recreate the Sazzini. I give them the ingredients. I, I, It's just like, but nobody could do it quite like Super Fry. I don't know if it's the chef. I don't know if it's just. Is the chef coming back? Is he, well, awesome. he's, last I heard, he was still at Via Roma, which is why they have the Sazzini. They have a Sazzini slice. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, there's a Sazzini slice at Via Roma because the chef from Super Fry, immediately, like once Super Fry went down, Via Roma just picked him up. Um, but I think, uh, what I'm curious to see, what I really want to see, cause I want that place to stay in business. It's, it's the, it's a Marokian sweetheart, I suppose, <laughs> is, is, I suppose how I would say it. Um, but those lunchers, those Calhoun lunchers aren't coming back. No. So they got to make up the ground somewhere. And I would have to think they're going to shrink their menu and shrink their supply and pretty much just stock the supply for Zazini's. Cause yeah, the I, 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 I never saw them sell anything else burger here and there some soup here and there but like who got any of those other paninis who got any of those other sandwiches if you're one of those people please leave me a comment or send me a message i want to know who the fuck you are <laughs> and why the fuck you just didn't get the sazini but dude I'm, I'm fucking hyped but i'm probably gonna wait a little while before i go back but i've also considered actually going there live and just like interviewing the people online it's <laughs> a great podcast episode exactly yeah no kind of making like an outdoor live podcast kind of thing but i wondered if i should talk to them about super fry or just interview the people waiting for super fry and ask them absurd questions <laughs> i don't know that's a that's an that's an off-air discussion but i know i'm hyped for super fry i'm glad you brought it up dude i'm you i can't even explain how excited i am i've missed this place hasn't even been closed that long it probably hasn't been a year yeah. maybe it's been a year maybe it's been like what well, hasn't been two no no it, it has hasn't not. been two well, you can't you can't keep the champion down for long. No, you can't. And you know, rest in peace to Burgeritos. They tried. A Burgerito is delicious. I think there's still one, I think, in Hicksville. There's one in Brooklyn. It's a small chain. It's a small chain. There's Burger, one in Brooklyn, yeah. Burgeritos was delicious. I'm not trying to knock Burgeritos, but it, they were tough shoes to fill. I'm happy we're getting Super Fried back. It'll be good. Hopefully, it'll be good for the uh, not only the Merrick economy, but the Merrick soul. It is very true. And you live right near Super Fry. I live around the block from Super Fry. You're around the block. So this means a little more to you than I guess me, because now here I am in Plainview. Oh, you have a hell of a drive. I don't give a shit. I'm in in walking distance. (laughs) I'll take the fucking ride. Me and and Joe were considering, because didn't Super Fry have another location in, like, Long Island City? They had... I don't know if they... I know they were, like, years ago, they were trying to open one in, like, Mineola... Which I don't know if it ever got off the ground. Okay. But I know that was something they tried to do. I don't think they have another location, though, anywhere. I thought, because I, I just have this image in my head of holding, like, the old Super Fry business card. 
And on it was the, the Merrick Avenue address. And there was like this Long Island City address. Maybe. So I there was this, you know, and who knows, like might be just making this thing up because I missed Superfry so much. But at one point, Joe and I were, we were in here and we were talking about Superfry. And I was like, dude, want to go to Long Island City and get Superfry? And he was, we were both so about it. We were ready. <laughs> and then we tried to find it. And I guess that one either shut down too or it never existed. Did you fi- try to find it on Google Maps or did you try to find it by driving to Long <laughs> <laughs> On the internet. We did internet first. We didn't go to Long Island City. And we're like, here. Drive now. every, <laughs> just ask all the people we're looking for Superfry. Have you seen it? <laughs> And they'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? What is a super fry? Uh, but I'm I'm happy it's back. I'm very happy it's back. I'll be happy to be there. I'll see you all there. I know I'm going to see you there. Um, probably going to need to up my cardio. Probably, yeah. Now that there's an extra, like, 5,000 calories a month coming. Um, not the worst thing. Not the worst thing. I mean, dude, like, it's weird. It's weird. Because it's like eating good food, and I guess by good food, I mean healthy food. You feel good afterwards. Like, you feel like you could run a mile. Now, you see, you eat Super Fry, and you don't want to move. But there's something about that that just feels so good. Who cares? <laughs> You're just laying there. It's like, why do I need to do anything? I won. I won. Civilization has suffered for thousands of years to get us to a point where we can eat food like this. I'd be a fool not to do- indulge. Oh, but Dan, what what else you got going on? What else is exciting you lately besides Super Fry? Um, I've been listening to so much music lately. Like, I can't even describe how much new music I've been listening to. Just tons? So, last year, I set a goal for 2018 to listen to 100 2018 released records. I hit some... Oh, wait, how many? 100. Wow. So, I hit about 70-something. I didn't hit the 100. It was a lot, and I also found that... A lot of what I was listening to was just garbage. <laughs> and that was a problem. I'm trying to do it this year with 2019. I'm at, I think, 12 or 13 uh, 2019 albums. And That's we are bad. February 1st right now. I would say one month in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm You do for like 150. Excited. I'm very excited because I've listened to mostly good records at this point. Okay. Go so to maybe, a good start. Maybe January just happened to be a really good al- uh, album month, but... I don't know, man. Just very exciting. Uh, All right, so give me your top five records of 2018. Of 2018 or 2019? 2018. 2018. And they don't have to be the best. I want Dan Muller's favorites. Yeah, so um, I think my actual favorite of the year was Janelle Monae's Dirty Computer. Uh, Just a lot of current event type stuff going on on that album, and I was just a big fan. I'm also just, like, super into the pop stuff at this point. Gotcha. Uh, So it really... It was really perfect. Um, this band, Siren Tip, who's actually just, I guess, a singer-songwriter. Uh, she's like a jazz pop singer. Ooh. Not like this huge famous person. Me and my friend Alex saw her a few months ago, maybe in front of a hundred people tops. Uh, and her album, Tribus, is unbelievable. Uh, for anyone who likes jazz, that's definitely up there for me. And I'll give one more. Um, You're not going to give me the top five? You're only going to give me a top three? I can't think of the top five of them. <laughs> That's fine. Okay, okay. So we'll do three. We can do your top three. I'm going to do top three. That's so much easier. Uh, so then the third, I'd probably say, is the album Clean by Soccer Mommy. By Soccer Mommy. Soccer Mommy. Hell of a name. Interesting. Uh, and it's it's like it's just a rock record. It's really good. Uh, not much else to say about it. It's just, just a solid rock album. Just so- a solid rock album, man. That's great. 
No, I mean you've always you've always been uh, headfirst into the music scene, both local and abroad. Um, you recently did just drop an album with Whale Neck, is that right? Yes, I played on the Whale Neck record. Awesome. Yes, uh, I didn't really write any of the songs. I was part of. Uh, I helped Justin write the song Animals, uh, which I love that one. You like that? Thank uh, you. You're, you're welcome. Uh, we ended up releasing as the single beforehand, and then. Two days later, <laughs> without telling anybody. I think it was the day Just of... Just the drop. We, 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 we played a show, I guess... Was this last week? We <laughs> I think oh, the one at uh, Amityville? Yeah, so we, yeah, it was last week. I think we announced it maybe like the day before or the morning of that we released the album that night. Yeah, I had no idea. Until, yeah, nobody like, knew. Yeah. So uh, we, we kind of just woke up that day and we we're just like, why don't we just release the album today? It's done. We had it. Just who cares? You might as well because you're you're in front of people. Like, exactly. Yeah. It it didn't matter. So uh, it was the right call. Uh, and for anybody listening, you can just go to whaleneck.bandcamp if you want to see it. Yes. Or hear it rather. That was a loud noise. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Uh, yeah. So we recorded that back in September. Uh, so we, it, oh, I mean, we started writing some of these songs two years ago. Animals we probably wrote two years ago. Hmm. Um, and just never recorded it. I think we wanted it on the last record that came out last January. Yep. Um, but it didn't make that record. We put it on this one. So I recorded, uh, we recorded with Adam Chichaki, who is the engineer at Timber Studios in Bayonne, New Jersey. So uh-huh. we went to Bayonne. We only recorded drums there. Um, and we were there for a full day. It was, uh, full day of drums, huh? Full day of drums. What was it? Seven songs. I think I was in there for maybe five or six hours, just banging them all out. It's like 45 minutes a song. Yeah, 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 no, I really only did, I think, one take of every song. Well, what do you what do you find when it comes to hitting the studio as a musician? What do you find are the things that prepare you for that? And I'm not, I'm not even trying to say, like, rehearsing the songs itself. I mean, having the mental attitude of going in and having to nail your part right. Uh just recording so much. So on my Instagram page, mm-hmm. uh, we might get to this later, but I, I record drum covers and just post them on there. And I, re- when I'm doing those, a lot of them are, I do one take and just put it up. Even if just to wing it, just yeah. to wing it, even if I'm fucking up everywhere. Um, but a lot of time, I'm <laughs> they're 10 takes and they're these 30 second clips. <laughs> And it's, it's just it's just repetition of just getting comfortable and then when you go into the studio it's really just not giving a fuck okay like just sitting back and be like all right gotta do this getting everything perfect like i like when i record i like the uh, metronome to be blasting loud uh because you need to be right on the money uh you don't want to fall behind you don't want to be ahead because you don't want the engineer to have to do a bunch of drum editing yeah uh when I recorded my first record when I was in high school, uh, it was... Was that the Butterfly Convict record? Yes, it was this, yes. this Elusive World by Butterfly Convict. It was very complex music, uh, lots of time signature changes, and uh, just very technical in what we were doing. Tempo changes, too. Tempo changes also. Yeah. Um, and I was not prepared to record. I never recorded at all. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Uh, especially doing something that complex. Uh, and the engineer had to do so... He said it was the most drum editing he had ever have to, had to do. Well, I mean, to... I, I assume part of that isn't just you being a rookie. 
I'm, I'm sure part of that is he's probably mostly recorded things in 4-4. Yes. Um, and also he like, he didn't really, because he didn't know the songs too well. We did one day of pre-production with him, but he still didn't know all the time signature changes. And I actually just recorded to a straight click. I didn't record to, if the song was in seven. didn't swap the metronome mid-song for you. No, it was just beat, beat, So it was beat, a 4-4 four, four click the whole time. Yes. Wow. And, and, um. Gotcha. So he didn't know where the time signature changes were at all. Uh, so he was basically guessing. So he would hear, uh, me do something on the kick drum and think it was wrong, even though I was actually right, but he would go based on the metronome, based on the metronome, he would go back and edit it. And then I, I would go back, I would, we would get the tracks back and I'd be like, no man, this is wrong. You have to go change that because it, it's fucking everything up. And you'd be like, oh, this is in this stupid time signature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, um, you know, I worked with an engine, like some engineers just don't have an ear for that. Like they're, they're, they're so like tuned specific to what their experience is. Cause I mean, unless you've played in a band or played, played the kind of music that has those time signature changes, you don't really have an ear for it. Like cards on the table. The most time signature changes I ever really did was going from four, four to three, four. And I don't blame you for that. (laughs) (laughs) I... After we after we recorded and released the Butterfly comic album, I was just like, I never want to do these these changes again and all, all this complex stuff. It was just well, so much. Because a lot of it a lot of it falls on you as the drummer. Yes, that's the thing. Uh, and especially because the writing pro- when you're doing that, the writing process is so much more painful. Uh, it's more. It's not as loose. No, you know? it's very strict and yeah. uh, just. Not getting into that writing process. <laughs> it was a horrible 10 months. <laughs> God damn. But here you are with Whaleneck. You just dropped this new album. And for, I guess, the it, it's always hard. Because I, I hate having to explain to people what a band sounds like. Because things are so broad. I could say, oh, they're a rock band. And, like, that's just so broad. It doesn't really paint the picture. But who would you say um, Whaleneck's biggest influences are? So as far as this record goes, the one that we just released, it is Manchester Orchestra, Mm. uh, who's just a small rock band from, like, Georgia. Um, Justin really liked their last album. Actually, the cover art for our album is... uh, It's not based off of it, because we didn't make it. Our friend uh, Vince Ruvalo made it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when we saw it, and he was like, hey, I want you to use this as your cover, uh, we were... It, it, it very much, uh, it's almost like a tribute to their cover art because it's all black gotcha. and white. He's uh, on the Manchester Orchestra cover art. There's a kid climbing uh, like a tree or a pole, and this is just a black and white tree. Mm-hmm. It's very similar, and uh, we really liked it. So he was almost paying homage to Manchester. Yeah, exactly. That was the word I was looking for. Okay. No, that's great. I mean, you got you guys put on a pretty good show. Um, I definitely had a good time when I was there. Um, is Whale Neck... How, do they have any plans to continue writing, continue recording, continue performing? Uh, that's all up to Justin at this point. Gotcha. Uh, so I'm not really involved with the writing process at all. Uh, I know you. You are. You're more of a an employed freelance drummer when it comes to this project. Essentially. So Justin writes the songs and he comes to me. He says, "Hey, I want to record these. Let's record these." And then I'll ri- I'll write my drum parts to them, but I'm mm-hmm. not like actually writing the songs. And then we'll go in and just record all the songs and do it. Excellent. So, uh, as far as you go, now that uh, Whale Neck just dropped its newest record, where is Dan Muller, the drummer? What are you looking to do next? 
Uh, so I'm going to get back into recording all these Instagram drum videos, uh, something that I kind of fell off around the end of the year, especially when we started recording on the album. I really needed to like get in shape yeah, for you, that. You had another call. Uh, yeah. So I want to get into that. I have a bunch of stuff lined up. Um, also, I want to really start doing like legit, like high produced drum covers for YouTube. Um, I take it kind of seriously in the sense that I don't want to just record myself with the phone camera like I do with my Instagram videos. I, you want to? I want. I want something big production. I want. I want it to look really good and sound really good because I don't even do mixing on my Instagram videos. I plug in the electronic drum set and you just let it rock and let it rock exactly. Um, so you're looking to go in is essentially what I'm hearing on the YouTube. Yeah, I, that's my goal for 2019 is to get something out on YouTube that's kind of high production. I have ideas in my head of how I will approach it because the YouTube drum community is very large. There's a lot of people posting drum covers, lots of people uh, posting like very high quality drum covers, but I want to do something completely different so that I get eyes on myself. Gotcha. Stand Um, out from the crowd. Exactly. Uh, There was this drummer, uh, he went by the name... Uh, adventure drums on YouTube Mm -hmm. and all of his drum covers were comedy focused uh, because he himself, he's not a bad drummer by any means. He's great. I love watching him play, but his chops weren't the level of some of the like big name guys on YouTube. And he, he probably either knew he couldn't compete or he just likes being funny. Right. Uh, He doesn't really post YouTube videos videos anymore. Mm. And that makes me really sad. And I kind of want to go that route with the comedy. Kind of pick up the torch where he left it. Yeah. uh, Not because I don't think I like don't have the chops, uh, but I just think it's way more fun. If you watch my Instagram videos, I'm not doing anything like super difficult. I'm not doing any chop heavy stuff. I'm mostly playing basic grooves, but it's just, I want I want to have fun playing music. I don't want to have to think about it. Have to it. think about it and be super yeah. technical. You kind of want to be a little bit more loose. I don't want to I don't want to practice for 15 hours on one song. <laughs> I had a I had an old friend back in the day who actually told me his he was a drummer too and he said his dream gig was to just be like Kelly Clarkson's drummer. Dude. Cuz it's like you could just do whatever you want. Everything's in 4/4. It's like you really can't do wrong. Kelly Clarkson's drummer posts to YouTube. He posts live videos to YouTube. Dude's un- unbelievable. Yeah. I don't remember the name of him, but he'll post videos of him playing live with her, and this dude shreds. He's a monster? He shreds. Hell yeah. Well, uh, it, what didn't... What's his name? Didn't Travis Barker tour with her for a little while? That I don't know, but Travis Barker also shreds. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, his... um, I don't even know how you would say it. I'll just say his speed is immaculate. It's unreal, uh, like, the tempos he can get to. I wish I could get to those tempos. Do you think Travis Barker is doing himself a disservice by playing with Blink-182 still? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, if he enjoys playing with Blink-182, let him play with Blink-182. I think he fits perfectly with that style of music, and he also plays with other bands at this point. Yeah. Uh, I know he was playing with Goldfinger at one point. I don't know if that was like a one-off, but Mm -hmm. that was something he's doing, and he also has like his other side projects, so he can do him. All right, then good on Travis. He can do him. Good on Travis. He also is an unbelievable marching drummer. Like, he does all like the, the stick drum tricks. Rolls and stuff? Yeah, he yeah. can do all the stick tricks that I can't do. <laughs> <laughs> who is, uh, who would you say, and it's okay if you don't know this, but who kind of coined the, like, drumstick twirls and doing all those drum tricks? Like, is there any, like, is there a grandfather to that? No idea. <laughs> no idea. It's been around forever. 
Yeah, I guess it's I just guess been it's around forever since they had sticks. All right, so do you think before or after Ringo? <laughs> oh, way before. Way before. Way before. In like the jazz clubs, yeah. I suppose, in like the early twenties or thirties. Way before Ringo. Okay, that's pretty cool. So you're looking to basically do higher production drum covers on YouTube in 2019. That's that's sounds like it's gonna be pretty interesting. Yeah, that's because like, like your inst- even just like I, I know you kind of undersold in a way your your Instagram drum covers, but even those look and sound pretty good. I mean, we get one view, and like you said, you don't mix it, but for as half-assed <laughs> you're making it sound, it comes out pretty good. It, I appreciate that. It's yeah. really like very half-assed. <laughs> it's it when. I enjoy doing them, and that's why that's why I do them. And it also keeps me motivated to learn new songs. And a lot of the time, when I'm doing, uh, I'm picking out sections of songs. If it's a more difficult section, is because I want to learn that section. Mm-hmm. And posting it to Instagram gives me the motivation to uh, do it. I guess because you probably end up listening to it or watching it over and over. Yeah, and you kind of catch those little mistakes. Exactly. So, like one thing that was super difficult was I did a live uh, Justin Timberlake song. It was Rock Your Body, and he did it live in 2016 uh, at some award show. And the thing is just, it's syncopated, but, like, it's very sparse in its syncopation. Mm-hmm. And it took me forever to figure out this stuff. Uh, but it's, now that I know how to do it, it's, like, one of the most fun songs I could play along to. Fuck it, and you posted that one on Instagram? Yep. Okay, I'll have to give that a listen. I'm sure I listened to it, but you posted a lot of those. You know, you I posted you, a lot. You know what I'm saying? You posted a lot. <laughs> I was of trying to post five a week, so like one one Epic. every weekday. Yeah, epic. It's a lot. Well, I mean, dude, listen. Look, anybody who's looking for a drummer, all they got to do is watch those clips, and boom, you're their guy. And it's funny that you you mentioned how like you you kind of notice yourself fucking up a lot when you do those things. Oh, yeah. And it's like I, if I could sing your praises for a bit, it's like you're at the level where like the mistakes that you notice the the common person or even someone like me who isn't even re- who isn't really a drummer. We're not going to hear it for shit. Yeah, no. You know? I, I get that. And it, it's funny because I get that all the time being like, hey, man, you had a great show. And it's like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> I fucked up so many times. It's like, I, especially live, I, I've come to like have this attitude of it's unless you have a complete meltdown live, it's impossible to fuck up. Because yeah, everything is part of the show. Just keep it going. And how you react is part of the show. And it it, it, it becomes so much more fun. I played a show with uh, Loop Troop. Uh, this was over a year ago now. And I dropped my stick during the middle of the set. And I didn't have another stick next to me. So uh, Dan, who was playing bass... I, I was I was just keeping the rhythm with one hand, and I was like, "Dan, you have to grab this stupid thing." He's like, "What are you talking about? You're playing." I was like, "No, you have to grab this." I was like yelling at him on stage. Grab this. <laughs> no, that's a great attitude. That no matter what, it's just part of the show. Because you're right. Unless you have a meltdown and like the song has to stop. I, yeah. Like, like no one's gonna notice. No one's gonna really gonna care. You just need to, like you said, keep the beat going. Because as a drummer, you. You are essentially the heartbeat of the of the song. Exactly. You and I have been friends for a very long time. And I think one of the main things that brought us together was we're probably like the only Eagles fans in a 20-mile radius. I think that's true. <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> so I, I couldn't have this podcast with you and not talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's uh, let's just jump right into it. Did you hear we're not going to be able to retain Foles and trade him? We're going to have to just let him walk? 
I didn't hear that, but I'm not surprised by it one bit. I'm not surprised either, and I don't know how well... Like, I know there were rumors we were going to get Fournette from the Jaguars, or we are going to get draft picks from the Jaguars, but I'm not sure how viable any of that really was. Because I think everybody else knows, like, hey, so if they're not going to trade him, he'll just be a free agent. So why give up our running back if we could just hold our hand and just buy him? Yeah, so, like, we all agree that he's going to the Jaguars, right? It's here's what I think. I think it's either gonna. I think it's gonna be a Florida team. But yeah. I think it could be any of the three. You think it could be the Bucks? I think, I think Miami, the Bucks, or Jacksonville will pick him up. I don't know if the Bucks would. I mean, specifically the Bucks. I don't think they would go for him just because they have a guy. Unless you they're think getting, they're really gonna go in on Jameis Winston? I don't. I think they still have to. Uh, at least for the time being. I don't think it's worth it for them to go after full still. Okay. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a fair assessment. Um, and then who who's the Miami quarterback? That's the thing. I don't know. So uh, Okay. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I can see him going there too. But I I do think Jacksonville's the best fit for him. Yeah, he'll have... Um, Tom Coughlin's not the coach there, but he's... But he's he running end? shit. He's running shit. He's running shit. Um, I also think Eli's going to end up down there eventually. Maybe backing see, that's up the thing. somebody. I wouldn't... I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up there this year. I mean, I, I say it all the time. I'm I'm almost disgusted, and I'm not talking about all Giants fans, but I'm almost disgusted at the amount of shade they throw on Eli Manning. I'm, I'm almost, yeah. you know, I understand he's not the Eli of old, but it's like, you know this is the best quarterback in your franchise's history, and he brought you two Super Bowls. It's like, on his way down, you could be a little nicer. Yeah, you you, know? you should be applauding him while he, uh, while he goes. While not, he goes down. Not yelling and throwing... A fit. Yeah. <laughs> to, to put it nicely, it's like, it's like, you know, I, I've seen it in other sports. It's like, you look at what the kind of farewell David Wright got, right? I don't watch baseball. You don't watch baseball. Fine. David Wright got an amazing farewell from the New York Mets when he pretty much announced that he couldn't play baseball anymore. Now, I'm not saying the New York Giants needed to go balls deep on that the way the Mets did with David Wright, but... You would think the Giants fans would be saying things like, oh, I'm definitely going to week 17. That might be Eli's last Same. week as a Giant. You know, you'd think you'd have this attitude from them, but those ungrateful fucks, <laughs> <laughs> they just want to throw them off the fucking boat. There is this underlying attitude towards Eli in general, though, that even though, like, I disagree with it, there is this opinion of him that he's kind of always been garbage even though he's won these two Super Bowls and he's had really great stats. Amazing seasons. I'll yeah. go so far as to say amazing. The guy's not in the top 10 of every passing category by accident. That's not an accident. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's pretty good. He's been great when he needs to be, but as a career, he's been a good quarterback. I also think the Eli memes have uh, <laughs> taken life form. So just seeing Eli's like stupid face go on, they go, wow, this dude's actually an idiot. <laughs> well, it doesn't help when you look like a doofus. Yeah, that's I true. I think my favorite thing was when uh, Peyton was in his last Super Bowl and he started making the comeback and he saw the Manning box and they were all going insane. And Eli has the deadpan face. <laughs> He didn't want it to happen. <laughs> no, no, because he had the edge. It's he like, had the two Super Bowls. It's like, oh, you're the better quarterback, Peyton. I'm the champion. Exactly. Daddy likes me best. <laughs> uh, it's got to, it's got to suck to be the third Manning brother. There's, oh, there is a third Manning brother. Yeah, yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's like a Silicon Valley bro. Uh, yeah, that kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I don't even know. I think what was the dad's name? Do you remember? 
Archie. Archie Manning. So the Archie. third. So it's Cooper Manning is the third oh Manning God. brother who it never worked out for you, Cooper. <laughs> We're sorry to hear it. Um, but with that said, moving forward, how do you feel about the Philadelphia Eagles? Now that the Foles era is officially over. This is the Carson Wentz era now. The Carson Wentz era is now. Uh, I'm still very cautiously optimistic. Um, going into next season, I don't think Carson's probably, he's probably not going to be ready. I don't think we're going to be a top team in the, even the division. Uh, we saw how Carson was this year and he wasn't great. Um, he wasn't great, but he, I thought he was still good. He was good. His touchdown, here's my, his touchdown, my biggest critique of him, because his touchdown to inter- interception ratio was immaculate. But I don't think that's necessarily a good thing because he's so cautious about where and who he throws to. I mean, he throws to Ertz and he doesn't. All the time. Because, he only throws to Ertz. Exactly, because Ertz isn't going to drop it. They're not going to go up on Ertz. He's huge. So, like, it, 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 there's a low risk of interception. What he needs to do is he needs to take those big risks downfield. Yes, every once in a while they're going to end up in an interception. But more often than not, with guys like Alshon Jeffrey going the distance, it's going to be a catch for 30 yards. Yeah, I, I don't think he was all that confident in his strength this season, which is why he was throwing the short passes. And yeah. I think that's going to be the same case next year. I don't think we're getting Carson MVP, like 2017 MVP Carson Wentz, well, uh, when he's coming off another injury. Mello, who's lower back now. Now he's lower back. He's going to need to get that strength back. Uh, he should be good good to go by week one, but... Well, they said, still. no, they said he'll be participating in full drills by April. Did they? Okay. That's what they said. So, he is expected to make a full recovery, because I think one of the things that hurt him most was the fact that he couldn't run. Yeah. He didn't really run. Like, if you 2017 MVP Carson Wentz, if he had no one to throw to, he ran, he ran. For, he ran for seven yards, yep. which was good. But he couldn't do that this year, and teams knew that, and they used that against him. But I'm still... I'm still cautiously optimistic like you are. I'm cautiously optimistic, not just because of Wentz, though, but we're we're going to lose... Uh, we need to figure out the running back situation. The running back situation, but Brandon Graham's a free agent. He's going to yep. he's gonna look at his options. Uh, Kelsey mm-hmm. might retire. <laughs> he probably will retire. He's going to retire. Um, yeah, I, I... We have holes to plug up. Yeah. definitely too. But I trust Dougie P. Me too. I think he's a I'm great big, head coach. I'm, I'm big on Dougie P. I think he's amazing. I think he's a great head coach, and we also need to find a backup quarterback now. That's that's Dude, a, Nate Sudfeld. Are you fucking kidding me? We do have the revolution, we Nate Sudfeld. <laughs> <laughs> we have the revolution, Nate Sudfeld. Bro, he led the preseason in passing. This yards. is true. This I, is true. I, I think you're underselling the great <laughs> Nate Sudfeld. Oh, my God. But I'm with you. I, they have their holes to fill. Um... I, I, I do have faith that we are we will get 2017 Carson Wentz back. I don't know if he'll put up those MVP numbers because the league didn't really know Carson Wentz yet. That's true. Um, but I do think we will get an MVP caliber Carson Wentz back. Maybe not. Maybe not next year. Could be next year. But at least by the year after that, when he's had hopefully a year free of injury, um, we're gonna get the secondary back because we pretty much went this whole season with the practice squad secondary. It's true. Uh, Ronnie McLeod, I think, just resigned. Yep. Uh, McLeod's coming back for the 2019 season. Um, I think I still would like to see them. How, how would you say it? Um, beef up that secondary in the draft, if not in the free agent market, because I think the defensive line, even if we lost Brandon Graham, it's still really good. Yes. And the it's offensive, still one of the best in the league. Exactly. And if the offensive line loses Kelsey, that's a that's a big loss. But it's still a good enough offensive line. Yes. Um, but the secondary's just... Even when healthy, that's the thing. We had the practice squad secondary. But even when healthy, 
The secondary is kind of weak, and we saw that in the Super Bowl against Brady. Because once they once the Patriots figured that out at halftime in the Super Bowl, they lit up the Eagles' defense. I mean, they just threw the Gronk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Gronk up the middle. You're not going to beat them. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't have sizable guys in our on our defense that can take care of that. But do you? Is there any defensive player in the draft or in the free agent market that you've been specifically eyeing that you think the Eagles should do? So I don't follow college football at all. Me so neither. I know nothing about it, and I actually don't know anything about this year's free agency. That's fair. I mean, uh, we're not there yet. We're, That's not, the other there. Thing. Yeah. we're not there we yet. We still have so. the Super Bowl is Sunday, so. Yep. Go uh, Rams. Go Rams. We've got to root for the Rams because uh, they rooted for us last year. <laughs> they, most, they most certainly did. And what's his name? Because the, the Saints, as they do, were like fucking assholes and they were they were like really mocking us at the end of that game. So there was like, a, I forgot who it was. There was like a Rams defensive end who kind of returned the favor <laughs> against the Saints and started doing the same thing. And in a post-game interview, he was like, yeah, we thought the way they treated the Eagles was shitty. So we're like, fine, we're going to mock them back. See? So I don't know what's going on between the Rams and Eagles and this happy marriage we seem to have. We shared Nick Foles and, you know, the whole story. Um, but I'm down with it. I really would like to see the Rams win. I, I'm not... Oh, we still getting sounds? Hold on. Yeah, we're good. Let cool. me give you... Okay, cool. We're good. Um, I'm not huge on Jared Goff. Or Joff. However, however Goff. it's pronounced. It is Goff. I'm not huge on the guy. Why? I think he's a pretty good quarterback. I think he's a I think he's a good quarterback, but it's like I don't know. At least even in this postseason, even though he's done his job and he's won, he's gotten really sloppy at times, I felt. He also has weapons around him. He's got crazy weapons. He's got really good weapons. I, I actually I love Jared Cuff. I like him. Um I like him. What I'm saying is I'm not completely sold on him, and that could change in Two days. It could, yeah. In two days. I could be singing a completely different tune. In fact, I want to be. <laughs> the last thing I want to see is Tom Brady win again. If Tom Brady wins the su- Okay, how long... This is a dumb question because the answer is uh, never. But when does Tom Brady fucking retire? <laughs> the number 45 seems to be flowing or floating around out there. That he's pretty much said that like he wants to play till 45. How old is he now? Goal. I'm pretty sure he's 41. He's 41? So he's got four more years. Yeah. Great. I mean, I, I, we may have that wrong. I swear, I have people... It's so funny. I have people every day. You're one of them who, if I fucks, if me or a guest fucks something up on the podcast, you text me like, hey, you got that wrong. It's really this. See, none of the stuff we talked about today, I have no idea if you fucked up. Well, exactly. <laughs> so you're not getting any of those texts. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the nature of the beast, man. Is inevitably, you know, you're going to say something wrong every podcast. Um, especially when I, it's a generalist podcast like this, yeah. where it's like, we're not talking about a specific area of expertise. Um, but I don't even know, like if there's any sports fans out there, I feel for, except for Knicks fans. Cause if you're still a Knicks oh, no. fan after what happened and we'll get into it, we'll get into it. I don't want to go too deep into it, but I am almost depressed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I saw it and I, it's like, I'm a Knicks fan in the sense of like, I'll watch playoff basketball and I'll sometimes watch basketball. I'm not the craziest on it. But, like, I saw it, and I just felt numb inside. Because I was like, if you're still a Knicks fan, you're a masochist. Pretty much. I texted my brother yesterday uh, when the trade went through, and I said, kill me. (laughs) And and for those of you listening who may not be caught off the speed, the New York Knicks traded their absolute best player, Christoph Porzingis. Christoph Porzingis. To the Dallas Mavericks. For Dennis Smith Jr. For tr- for for nothing. Can we say nothing? Do you think it's fair? He's a fine player. He's a fine player. He's not a Porzingis-level player. No. And now, it doesn't just bother me that the Knicks traded Porzingis. They gave Porzingis 
to a team that has Doncic and Dirk Nowitzki. They're three gigantic monsters. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, no, the Mavericks shoot. just beefed. The Mavericks just beefed up hard. This is like a classic like 1970s team right now. Well, and I think what's important to point out, and this is another reason why I say, like, I don't even understand how people are still Knicks fans, is like, this wasn't a trade due to some strategy or some grand plan the Knicks had. No, this nope. trade happened because Porzingis had had enough. Mm-hmm. The guy's injured. He's not even playing. And the Knicks organization pissed him off. The I dude's mean, on vacation. That's Dolan. That's Dolan. Yeah, <laughs> that's seriously. Dolan. It's, it's, it's a never-ending nightmare. It's a never-ending circus. I have a question for you. Please. Because I don't watch baseball, I don't know the answer to this. Go for it. Who do you think is a worse owner? Dolan or the owner of the New York Mets? Dolan. Dolan? Dolan. Dolan. 100% Dolan. Okay. 100% Dolan. Like, I, I look, we talk, I, Lord knows, anyone who's listened, I talk shit about the Will Ponds hard. It's yes. just like a rite of passage <laughs> as a Mets fan. But, like, the Mets have given me so much. I feel like they've given their fans so much more than the Knicks have. Oh, we, they absolutely we, have. Since the year, like, I think the Will Ponds took over in the, what was it, late 80s, early 90s? It, it was... I'll, let's call it the early 90s. But, like, we, we had a playoff run in the ni- in 98, in 99. In 2000, we went to the World Series. In 2001, we were contenders. In 2006, we went to the um, we went to the uh, championship game. You went to the World Series a few years ago. We went to the World Series in 2015. It's like, you know, like, they fuck up here and there. Like, them, I bring it up all the time. Them collecting the insurance on David Wright's contract was one of the scummiest things ever. But, like, the New York Mets, I think, do actually a good job at being a New York team in an organization and trying to win. I've never felt like the Mets weren't trying to win. And to the Wilpons' credit, they let the GMs do their thing. Like Omar Minaya came in, he got to do the Los Mets things. The Wilpons didn't fight him on it. Sandy Alderson came in, uh, he got to do the sabermetrics thing. The Wilpons didn't fight him on it. Now we got Brody in there, and Brody's doing the Brody thing, and the Wilpons aren't fighting him on it. So the Wilpons suck like, just as owners, because they're financial scumbags who do business with the Madoffs, but they allow the GM to run the roster. I can't say the same thing about Dolan. Oh, Dolan doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. Dolan doesn't. I, and so, to wrap that up, yes, and let's not go too into it, because it's going to depress us as Eagles fans and uh, NFC participants i guess we have a great relationship with our owner jeffrey laurie no the eagles are amazing yes the eagles are an amazing franchise the the, the philadelphia fans are out of their minds but no they're the best fans that's the thing. they're awesome they go on they're the road the... they chant fly eagles fly in every city in the fucking country they destroy the canopy at the ritz carlton <laughs> <laughs> they try to climb up poles to the point where the philadelphia police have to grease them so they can't climb they are they are objectively the best fan base they boo santa claus they throw rocks at kids (laughs) like there is no better fan base than the philadelphia eagles but they're out of their fucking mind and as they should be but you know it's funny it's like now that they got the super bowl i almost feel like they're they're now a little bit watered down it's like if the eagles win the super bowl again i don't think we're gonna see what we saw who was was it kelsey that made the speech like the famous super bowl speech yes when he was talking about the Eagles fans need their breakfast. Now they got their fucking breakfast. They're full now. We don't need an. We don't have to go nuts anymore. Which, it's true. It's like the um, 
it's like the child the child in us that wanted that Super Bowl can finally move on into the next life. Exactly. So now we're not going to throw tantrums anymore. We're not going to scream and cry and break shit. That ghost has moved on. But I've been wanting to get into, I don't understand how anyone who's a fan of an AFC team still watches football. I don't get it. Because of the Patriots? Because of the Patriots. Because of the Patriots. It's, it's, it's so funny, like... These entire playoffs, I, like, we, we've been laughing that, like, it's like every fucking game, every fucking season, what's the story? You know what the story is? Every year of our, since 2001, and Tom Brady, with two minutes left, <laughs> the game on the line. It's like the, it's like, I don't think the NFL is fixed, but it's just eerie to me that we just keep seeing that happen. So Tom Brady's been in, what, the past three, at least the past Eagles, three. Eagles, Falcons, Seahawks. I believe that's three in a row. Yes. Uh, but he's been in the last, uh, fuck, I don't know. Uh, since he made, what, 2001 2001 when he took he's over. He's been in, like, 12 Super Bowls. Yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, what, he's got six. He No, he's been in nine. He's been in nine, okay. He's got six wins, and he's got three losses. And it's disgusting. It is disgusting. And all those times they didn't go to the Super Bowl, they were in the AFC Championship yep. game. Look, I, no, the one time they weren't. Well, was that the Matt Castle year? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They went 11 and five that year. <laughs> they missed the playoffs. They went fucking 11 and five. <laughs> what the fuck? It's not just Tom Brady. No, that's the thing. It's it's the Belichick system, and this is what a lot of the guys who go to New England talk about. They're like, we've never played anywhere quite like New England. Like, I don't know what Belichick has going on outside of Spygate, but. Um, he seems to discipline his players pretty well. Like, apparently, because like um, you know, Malcolm Butler didn't play the Super Bowl last year. Yes. Apparently, that's because he was just caught smoking weed, like uh, the the night before the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't know what that was. I apparently I, that I don't know that for sure. I remember like, reading somewhere that it was like he showed up late to like some team meetings, and they had to punish him for that. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, but and you, dude, they left one of their best players out in the Super Bowl. But you know what? If that's how the Patriots roll, that's how the Patriots roll. And even though they lost that game, that system seems to have worked. Because this was a year where, like, the Patriots could not have been more under the radar than they were this year. And then we blinked. They had the two seed. And now they're in the Super Bowl. And they're going to win the fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I mean, probably. I mean, they're the fucking Patriots. And that's the thing. is like every time that... So long as the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, ESPN has something to talk about for the next five months. Yeah, I mean, they're literally the Golden State Warriors of football, and it's so disgusting. It's terrible. It's terrible, because, like, what is it? Like, if you haven't been, what are the other AFC teams to make the Super Bowl lately? Uh, the Steelers did that one. Year. Well, the Rams did, uh, not the Rams, the fucking Ravens. Ravens, when they, when when they, they won. The 49ers. Um... Who was the last AFC team? Were the were the Ram the Ravens the last uh, AFC team? I think so. Was that 2014? Yeah, man. Yeah, 2014. Jeez. That, that, but that's what I'm saying. It's like how how do you watch? Like how do you like if you're in the AFC East? Like I'm feeling for those Jets fans, um, the Jets fans, the Dolphins fans, the fucking Bills fans. Actually, no, Bills fans have a blast no matter what. They're <laughs> they're fine. They've accepted their fate. I feel like when the Bills lost four straight Super Bowls, they're like, all right. We're just the lovable losers. I mean, they lost four straight Super Bowls because Chris Furman predicted they were going to win four straight Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's, uh, let's not forget that. They, uh, this is all Chris Berman's fault. This is all Chris Berman's fault. And I miss that motherfucker. Like, he was like the voice of sports for me when I was growing up. Not, not just for football, but like, he was in the movie The Longest Yard. And I miss his announcing during the Home Run Derbies. What's up? 
Oh, I thought it was like not working because no, 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 no. We're just really zoomed out. Gotcha. And, uh, for those of you listening, we're we're talking about the soundboard, so ignore that. Apologies. Um, yeah, apologies. But what the fuck were we talking about? We're talking about the Patriots. Patriots being too good be- at football. Yeah, they are way too good at football. Um, but you know what? It's like we love narratives, right? It's the reason we go to the movies. It's the reason we watch TV, read the- books. It's like they we have our Darth Vader. Yeah. If the Patriots weren't in that Super Bowl last year, it's not as satisfying. Truth. If we Truth. Were, if we faced the Jaguars last year, which was a serious possibility. It was close. No, it against, was close. Against Blake Bortles, it would have been satisfying, but there would have always been a mark next to the Eagles win because they beat the fucking Jaguars with Blake, Blake Bortles. Bortles. Yeah. But I think what made it so sweet was it's like, man, like 2004 season, I was in love with that Eagles team. The the, the McNabs, the Westbrooks, the Dawkins. Hell, I even loved T.O. during that season. I mean, how could you not? He was arguably the best receiver in football at that time. Um, fuck off, Chad Ochocinco. <laughs> um, and then we lost. And we not only lost, we lost a heartbreaker. It was a close game. McNabb was puking in the huddle. Like, it was... It was it was just intense, and we lost, and then we found out about Spygate, and now we feel like we were cheated out of our Super Bowl. And it's like, and what are the odds that four, 13 years later, excuse me, 13 years later, the same quarterback and same coach is standing in your way? Meanwhile, we have a new quarterback, we had a new coach, and we got our revenge. It felt amazing. Not only a new quarterback, a new new quarterback because he was a backup. <laughs> I think I think that's what's one of the craziest things about the full story was that we dra- we drafted him. Yep, and he went to how many different teams? And he went to the Rams, and then he went to, to the Chiefs. To the Chiefs, but like he was always the most successful on the Eagles. He had that one year where he had twenty seven touchdowns and two, two interceptions. Picks. Like, but I have to say, and I'm not trying to like shit on Foles' talent. He's a very talented quarterback, and I, I I would fuck it. I would love to see him win wherever he goes. Sincerely, I was rooting for Andy Reid. Against the Patriots, yeah. the Chiefs Patriots. I really, like, once the Eagles were out, I wanted Andy Reid to win. But going back to Foles, I think that was more a consequence of nobody knowing how to handle Chip Kelly's hurry-up offense. Because he brought that into the league. It was fresh that season with Nick Foles. And when defenses couldn't huddle, they had no idea what to do. And it didn't help that Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, and LaShawn McCoy and Brett Selleck were Nick Foles' weapons. You know, it was like a perfect storm. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I I think Nick Foles, as great as I think Nick Foles is, I think he's a system quarterback. And I think that, like, it, it, Doug Peterson's system completely backs that up. Yep. Uh, he wasn't running a similar system to Chip Kelly at all, but he he was able to utilize Nick Foles uh, better than anyone else. And it was all about Nick Foles finding the right option at the right time. It was never, like, Nick Foles has a cannon of an arm, but it wasn't always about utilizing that. It was... Sure. It was only about looking at option one. Okay, that guy's not there. Option two, that guy's not there. Okay, I have to throw to option three. And it was the same every time. And mm-hmm. Doug Peterson knew that was the way that Nick Foles had to play the game. And it made sense. And it fucking worked. And the thing that makes Doug Peterson such a, again, a perfect storm scenario, what makes him such a good coach was he was a quarterback himself. Then he was the quarterback coach on the Andy Reid tree. So it's like if they're, if the Philadelphia Eagles are going to have problems at any position... Honestly, you can't pick a better position than quarterback. Peterson, know, he knows the quarterback language. He he knows the difference between being a system quarterback and being a Peyton Manning, you know? 
Um, interestingly enough, so do you think an art? Do you think Tom Brady could be Tom Brady anywhere else? Do I think Tom Brady could be Tom Brady anywhere else? If Tom Brady was a New York Jet, do you think he would be the Tom Brady? So, do I think Tom Brady would be more success? Would be successful on any other equal team? equally successful? I mean, and, and he doesn't have to win six championships, but do you think he could have won three? So, are we saying that he started on a different team and? throughout his entire career was on a different team let's say tom brady was a chicago bear his entire career his entire career i don't think he's as successful but i do think he's successful i think i don't think he's a system quarterback but i think him and bilicek work perfectly together they definitely tapped into something yes um i think he's definitely a super bowl quarterback is he the level is he the greatest of all time on the chicago bears probably not Mm -hmm. um but to say that he would not be the same quarterback, I think, is... Uh, well, here, here's also the thing. Tom Brady only gets an opportunity if Drew Bledsoe goes down. Truth. He was so, never meant to be this guy. No, so we don't even know if Tom Brady ever gets the opportunity to to be... That's a good point. ...a great quarterback. That's a really good point. Uh, so it's very difficult to say. Do I think he had it in him? To be a great quarterback wherever he goes, yes. I think he's a genuinely great quarterback. But I think being on the Patriots was just the perfect storm. See, I think the Patriots, if there's anything we can learn from the Patriots, um, and I think it's something that I, I truly believe Doug Peterson is emulating, is you know we, we, we talk about errors of football. And we say, oh, that was a defensive league. Oh, this is an offensive league. This is a quarterback league. I think we're in a system league. Because who are the two people, not the two people, but the two teams in the Super Bowl? Two teams with very rigid and strict systems that they follow. You know, one thing that Sean McVay does, his guys don't, his starters don't wear pads during the week. Yep. He keeps them fresh. The, the head coach is the most important player on the football team. And I think that's what we're starting to figure out. Because, I mean, it's not an accident that Andy Reid is always contending for the Super Bowl. It's not an accident that the Andy Reid tree is like unequivocally successful in the NFL. Um, but I think it's so much more about your system than it is your roster. Cause like the Philadelphia Eagles, that's the thing we could talk about the, their Super Bowl team last year, but it's not that just Carson Wentz was injured. The running backs were injured. The defense was injured. I mean, who, who else were we missing at Super Bowl? We were missing Darren Sproles. We were missing Carson Wentz. We were missing, who else were we missing? Who was out? Fletcher. Was it Fletcher Cox? Fletcher Cox was, Fletcher out. Cox was out. Um, I'm trying to think who else on the defensive end was out, but they, we had several several guys who were banged up, but they hung with the with the bet with a with not only the best team in the NFL, but a team that was coming off back to back Super Bowl wins. And they didn't just hang with them. It's not like the final score was 28-21. They lit them up. Yep. You know, I mean, it was one. Was it the highest scoring Super Bowl of all yes. time? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, highest it was a shootout. It all time. was a shootout. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's that's a credit to the offensive system. <laughs> Yep. And the defense just holding on. <laughs> they held on. Could. They held on. I maintain. I think the defensive line did their job that whole game. Um, obviously, Brandon Graham has the most important play in Philadelphia Eagles yes, history. Absolutely, we'll never forget it. Um, which is funny. I feel like we actually touched on this uh, the last time we were at Newbridge. But it's like, you know, everyone, everyone kind of looks to the final play of the Super Bowl to measure like an Eagles fan's reaction to winning. Nope, it's, it's like, that strip sack. It's the strip sack. That's when we knew. I mean, we were talking about it at Newbridge because every, we it was during the wild card weekend when we beat the Bears. When we beat the Bears, And yeah. 
we flipped. We, we lost our minds. And we they were flipped. like, that was a bigger reaction than when you guys won the Super Bowl. I was like, but it wasn't a bigger reaction than when we got the, the strip, strip sack. I lost, like, oh my God. Like, I blacked out several times in my life from things like almost drowning. And this was kind of similar. <laughs> this was like my, my ego was gone. My memory was gone. I was nothing but a vibration that was just reacting intensely. I didn't realize what was going on when this when the ball came out. I was just like, why do we have the ball? Why do we have yeah, the yeah, ball? I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't fucking believe it because it, it was the same story every year. It's like, oh, okay, two minutes left. Here comes Tom Brady. We're only up by six fucking points. I know how this ends. And then Brady Graham takes the fucking ball from him. Oh, my it God. Was... And that's why it's like the, the final play of that game was more of just like an exhale of like, Ooh, but that was it. fucking nerve-wracking too, because there was a too. bobble and the bobble, the dude. bobble, and then it, it hits the ground. But the Patriots guy receives it, like pick, uh, picks he, it up, and he catches yeah. it while it bounces. Yeah, and you're just like, did what? he fucking catch that? Yeah, exactly. It was, it was just a confusing play. All I did, I just looked at the Eagles players who just had their hands up like this. I'm like, I think we won. It's over. Oh, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But uh, let's uh, let's move off football for a little bit, and uh, let's talk about. One of the most recent video game drops, Super Smash Brothers. So this is what I, I told you before we went on air. This is what I was preparing for. Um, so what happened about 5.16 this afternoon, I realized, oh shit, Landy's going to want to talk about this fucking plant. And I haven't downloaded <laughs> this fucking plant yet. So I, I boot up the Switch and I'm just like, okay, I have this thing paid for. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it up and download the stupid plant. I go into the game and he's not there. I'm just like... Do I have, the most Nintendo thing to do would make you unlock a character that you paid for. And it was like, oh, I just have to win a match, and then I can fight the stupid thing, and then unlock him. So I, I, I play a few matches, and th this thing still hasn't appeared. And I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with this? And I text my buddy Mike, and I'm just like, why don't I have this thing? It's not on my console. You're freaking me out right now. And he was just... He was like, I don't know, man. I haven't downloaded him yet either. And it was, so, I, so I restart the game and the update never downloaded. So I have to wait 10 minutes. Okay. Downloads. And then I get to play as this stupid fucking plant. <laughs> I was so infuriated at this point that I had to, it, it was, oh my God, it was painful. But he actually, he's like a mix of Link Almost, because uh, he has some, lots of projectiles. He has, uh, he has one projectile, and uh, I generally main as Little Mac, mm -hmm. uh, and he he has a lot of short range attacks and a lot of fast and powerful short range attacks. So I, re I actually really like, so like Piranha Plant. <laughs> I like the fucking plant. <laughs> I thought Piranha Plant was one of the greatest announcements Nintendo's ever done. I thought they were trolling. They were. It's a troll, but it's real. It is real. It's real. I mean, because, like, who's the number one guy everybody wants in Smash? Waluigi. 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 Because literally every single Mario character is in Smash. Mario, Luigi, Yoshi, Peach, Daisy, Bowser, Piranha Plant. Piranha Plant is a great Rosalina. Character. Rosalina and Luma. Like, every Mario character's here. Wario, just not Waluigi. Not Waluigi. So you, you have this, they, they, did the, they did the trailer where Mario's coming out and he looks pissed. And it's like, oh shit. He's going to run right into Waluigi. This is it. And what happens? You see the plant and then he's just sitting there and he attacks Mario. <laughs> and you're just like, you got to be fucking kidding me right now. I thought it was awesome. Like they're trolling us and I get it. Here's what they're doing. 
because this is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, right? This roster is unbelievable. We have, I think now after the Piranha Plant DLC and the incoming Joker DLC, we're going to have 78 fighters. Unheard of in a fighter game, by the way. Um, but when you do something like that, well, how do you get people hyped for the next Smash Brothers? You put in Waluigi. You put in Waluigi. And now That's everyone's fair. hyped and the internet's broken and people go crazy. So I understand that they're kind of playing the long game with him. Um, so, question... Because not all the DLCs announced, there's still four other characters that still need to be announced. At the least. At the least. There could be more. Who's your number one character that you want? That hasn't been announced? That hasn't been announced. That you think is realistic? That I think is... That's a good question. Okay, so a character that I think is realistic that hasn't been announced yet. Now, while I'm thinking about this, do you have an answer to that? I do have an answer. Okay, so, why don't, so, you shoot, so why don't you shoot first? I want Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot? That's a good one. Crash Bandicoot is no longer a PlayStation-exclusive character. He's owned by Activision. Does that wait? What about what happened? Is Naughty Dog done? No, Naughty Dog is still a company. They're but owned by Activision. No, no, no. Crash Bandicoot's rights were sold a long time ago. Oh, long time ago. That's why Crash Bandicoot, like the trilogy, is on Switch and Xbox. And now Crash Team Racing is going to be on Switch and Xbox as well. Um, Crash is the character I want more than anyone else. I think a lot of people really want Banjo, and I figure that's probably the answer you're going to say. Banjo's one of the ones I'm considering. That's certainly true. But, ban- but Banjo is owned by Microsoft. Exactly. So, so it's not going to happen. It's super gonna difficult. It, it's, it, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. It would mean Nintendo has to compromise, and whatever the deals, like say it's a $5 DLC, they now have to split that with Microsoft. And I'm not sure Nintendo's into that. Um, but it's hard because banjo banjo's one that i do want crash bandicoot would be amazing but a realistic character that i want in super smash brothers that i probably wanted for a really long time is probably zidane from final fantasy 9 interesting i'd love to see more final Fantasy because once we got cloud I was like, oh shit, the door's open. Yep. The door's wide open. And every single Final Fantasy is coming to the Switch. Yes. One through 12 at the least. But I'm pretty sure they're going to port the rest. Um, I would love to see Zidane from Final Fantasy IX. It's not the most hyped rumor. In fact, it's barely even hyped. But I do think it's possible. I think they could surprise some people. I'm Honestly, it's so funny because before... Before it was announced, I would have told you Joker from Persona 5. Really? I actually would have. I, know, that, I, I already got my Persona. dream. I already got my dream DLC. Um, I know I know. Charlotte cried. <laughs> yes. Oh, she did. Well, I got to give her props, man. She pushed Persona 5 on me so hard. I, I, it's like, it's like I, 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 I watched her play it, and, I, and it was visually stunning, and it looked fun, and it looked amazing, but it's a 120-hour game. Really? It's a 100. Wow. To get through the campaign. To get through the campaign. 120 hours because here's the thing about half of it is cutscenes. Okay. It's like watching an anime while simultaneously playing a JRPG. Um, but I finally, I finally bit the bullet and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to play this game and I couldn't put it down. And like maybe two months after I'd beaten it, they announced Joker for Smash and I was like, <laughs> dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like, oh, I'm so hyped, dude. I'm so hyped. I'm, I, I can't wait to play as Joker. Um, which is funny because like I, I remember after they initially they they initially announced him and then we had that Smash Brothers tournament like they they, they landed right on top of each other. They, well, they announced him the night before Smash came out. They yes. announced him at the Game Awards, which was like a huge thing. Yeah, that's right. I remember uh, that because they literally. I think there may have been a half hour left till midnight when they announced him, and it was the the show is ending at like midnight. Yeah. So 
They they got it out, created even more hype. Anybody that didn't purchase Smash at that point and was just like, oh shit, Joker's in this, bought it digitally. <laughs> and not, not only that, you know what they did? Everyone got the DLC. Everyone got the DLC. Because like, fuck, Joker's in this. Smash in December, in the, like the one month it was out, sold 12 million copies. That's ridiculous. They have almost, I mean, at this point they probably have, They've pro- they've outsold Brawl's lifetime sales, which was I believe it. I believe was the highest selling Smash game. Yes, because we primarily because the Wii the sold Wii, so yeah. well, um, uh, but the Switch is outpacing the Wii sales too. Uh, it's close. It's close. It's probably trickled down a little bit in the last few months. They the sold, last couple months. I yeah, say. they sold seventeen million copies uh, last year, and they're only going to sell more. That's yeah. a, that's a crazy thing, um, but. How do you, how do you think this smash in terms of its gameplay? Because I always maintain that I think game gameplay is the most important part of any video game. You know, as much as I as people like me love to get their stories from video games, at the end of the day, you want to play something that's fun. How do you think the gameplay of the new Super Smash Brothers Ultimate measures up to its predecessors? Um, so I was never really a melee guy to begin with. Uh, the the Smash game I really got into was brawl when that came out it was the most accessible it was easiest to get into because i mean it was a lot slower paced a lot more floaty uh so it was just easier just to pick up and play uh i do like that this is a little bit more fast paced now though again um i didn't play the wii u version that much but it feels almost identical to the wii u version it's close it's definitely close what what the primary thing they changed is is they made all the characters heavier which i liked and <clears throat> tanks are now competitive. Okay. Like, all through Smash's history, playing as Ganondorf is fun, playing as Bowser is fun, playing as DK is fun. But if you're playing against a Smash player who knows what they're doing, they'll fuck your day up because you're too slow. Right. So what they did now, I don't know if you've noticed, but moves like Bowser's drop kick or Ganondorf's sword. They're insane. They'll kill you they're at insane. 40% if yep. they're fully charged. And that helps give the tanks a little bit more of an edge. So... I think, because the hardest thing to do in a fighter game is to make the whole roster balanced. And I really feel like in the latest installment, they've nailed it. They had a little trouble with K. Rule in the beginning. Have they nerfed him a little bit? They've nerfed him. Yeah. Yeah, The first patch, he was the primary nerf. Um, And he's still fucking awesome. Yeah. It just, he was kind of hard to, you know, do anything to. Yeah, it's why Joe won. (laughs) (laughs) Because he fucking used K. Rule. K. Rule gate. (laughs) Speaking of which, we um we've been two Smash tournaments in. We're doing the next one. Um, are you trying to start a flame war? Is there any particular Smash participant you want to call out? Joe. Joe. Because he won the first one. I wasn't at the last one. <laughs> Fair enough. We need you. We need you. I went uncontested in the last one. Did you? I was disgusted. Oh god. I was disgusted. First place in every match. I'm which sorry. the first the first the first month wasn't like that at all. No, everybody was close. A, I just had a good night. I really think at the end of the day I just had a good night. So I'm the heel right now. I'm oh the corporate. God. I'm the corporate heel. I'm gonna need to. Uh, I'm gonna need to get my smash on because I haven't. I honestly haven't been playing much. Uh, have you ever played the game Picross? Picross, no. Picross. It's like this puzzle game that's based in. It's gonna sound like the most boring thing, but it's based in. I math. love puzzles. It's based in math and logic, and it just consumes all of my time. Really? It's so. Let me ask you. Hours upon hours. Do you feel like? Seeing as the game primarily deals with math and logic, do you feel like the game's making you smarter or more logical? Like, is it is it is the, is it promoting that sense of thought? Uh, it's keeping my brain healthy. I'll say. Cool. I'm not getting any better at math because 
basic counting. Gotcha. Uh, but it's definitely making me just think about things uh, and just a little go- more study. I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Instead of really cool. just watching American Vandal over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I saw I I saw season one of American Vandal, and I thought it was fucking brilliant. And that's not to knock season two. I've only seen a few episodes. But I take it you've seen both season one and season two? Yes. Which one do you prefer? I prefer season one, but I like the premise of season two a lot more. I think the premise... I always like the over-the-top, more ridiculous stuff. Same. Uh, but I felt with season one, the protagonist, um, whatever his name uh, is... Dylan Maxwell. Dylan Maxwell. My favorite. The dude drawing all the dicks. I thought he was more relatable than the protagonist in uh season two kevin mcclain mm-hmm. um and he was i felt bad for dylan maxwell i really felt bad for dylan maxwell. i felt really be- bad for him and not that i didn't feel bad for McClane. kevin mcclain but i didn't have the same connection to him uh because he always kind of felt guilty which Dylan Maxwell, you always believe that he's innocent. Well, that's the thing is Dylan Maxwell was he was innocent. He was innocent innocent. until he went, spoiler alert, until he went to that party and he saw the way people were kind of, I don't want to say treating him, but he's like. He watched the documentary. Yeah, he watched the documentary. He's like, oh, all these people love, they they love me now, but throughout this whole documentary, they, they fucking trashed me. They said terrible things about me. He's like, these people don't know me. Fuck them. And then he almost kind of conformed to what they were projecting onto him. Exactly. Which was sad. That's the thing. Is like season one of American Vandal made me laugh my ass off, but the last episode it, it left it's me depressing. it left me feeling pretty pretty. I don't like for lack of a better term, depressed. You know, it's it's dep- it's sad watching Dylan Maxwell like end up where he was and like because he was he's a good guy and the people around him let him down. McK- Mackenzie cheated on him. Um, his friends, the Wayback Boys, never let him down. That's like the bright light. Is the Wayback Boys have and always will stand beside him, but like. Mackenzie let him down. His classmates let him down. I forgot the teacher's name that he would hassle, but she was not an adult. She was, awful. She was not an adult about nope. it. You know? Uh, and also, just like the ending of that season wasn't the most satisfying. True. Uh, don't want to give too many spoilers away. Gotcha. Not the best ending. Season two does have a way better ending, though. Awesome. Well, we got to wrap this up soon, but there was something you brought up earlier that I do want you to touch on before we close this out. Um, you mentioned lately you're getting into more poppy kind of stuff, pop kind of music. Now, I'm sure you're no stranger to the music snobs who anything pop related, they just want to block out from their ears. Yes. So I, I kind of wanted to get your take is, do you think that's genuine? Do you think that, that people are really like that? Do you think people really have a distaste for pop music like that? Or do you think they're almost kind of trying to present some kind of musical intellectual image i think it's a mix of both i think there's a serious misunderstanding of what pop music actually is and there's also an intellectual thing like not all pop music is i really like pop music i think pop music from a musician standpoint can be unbelievable some of the stuff they're doing i agree uh but I do think when you're listening to, like, I don't really like Katy Perry or Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga is a different story, but Katy Perry specifically is the one that always comes to my head in terms of she's a standard pop star that doesn't do much. Uh, I think there are critiques about her type of pop music that are very legitimate. Mm -hmm. Um, But when somebody's just like, 
I don't like pop music. They don't do anything interesting. I don't think it people, couldn't be any more wrong. They couldn't be any more wrong. Because I think what happens is, and I think it's what you're getting at, is those kind of people kind of blend pop music into mainstream pop. Exactly, and you know? not all like not, they, like not all good musicianship is technical or just like crazy stuff that they do. Good musicianship for the the majority of the time is the feel and how tight a group is, uh, and just like how interesting they can take a very limited section. So like how interesting can you make a section that you're just in four, four, one of, so just like four, four and three chords on repeat. Exactly. How interesting can you make that? Um, something that I rehearse as a drummer is to get myself, like the way to be more creative is to limit yourself. So maybe I'll just take one stick and do quarter notes on the snare drum constantly and see what I can do with every other er, part of my body. So now I'm limited and I'm in this tight space, but I have so much room to do different things and make different sounds. And I think pop music, good pop music, does that extraordinarily well. So give me give me a pop artist that you would recommend to the audience that can illustrate what you're getting at. So uh, this is a weird one because his last record wasn't very good, mm-hmm. but his record before this one, the last one was one of my favorite pop records ever and that's justin timberlake uh specifically 2020 experience volume one is it it just hits all of those points where it's just doing so many different things it's creating so many different sounds none of the shit he's doing is difficult like absolutely none of it uh but he he's taking it in so many different directions and that would be my recommendation for that Awesome. Well, if there's anything I'll take away from this podcast, it's something that you had just said. If you want to be more creative, limit yourself. Limit yourself. Because you have to come up with creative solutions for your limitations. Exactly. That's awesome. Dan Muller, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Hey, man. I want the chip gang question. Oh, my fucking (laughs) God. Okay, you're right. I always fucking forget. All right, this is going to be a little bit of a longer one. Um... Dan Muller, straight up, are you Chip Gang? Fuck no. Fuck no. All right. You want to go into that? You want to unwrap that a little bit? I just think... Say, say your piece. Say your piece. We can, we can keep going. I think it's bad. I think humans are... We're created the way we we are for a very specific reason. I know you went... You believe... We, you, we're, we go into it almost every episode. I know. We I go know. into it. I was just listening to the, your last episode with uh, Chris. Chris Scott, yeah. Yes. Uh, and you guys went into a lot of my thoughts, but there's so much danger with putting the internet into your brain like it you're gonna be hacked you're gonna get advertisements and you're not even gonna know you're not that gonna scares me you're not gonna know about it um i don't think the benefits are even close to outweighing the the negatives n- the negatives i don't even like not even comparable um and you guys actually brought up on the last episode like the job market um could be affected because there could be a 10 year old kid who, who has can the, do circles around me at my own job it. just because he did the chip. But at that point, like, are we going to be living in the same, like, we're not going to be living in the same sort of monetary society. At that point, we're probably going to be living under UBI. So interesting. Well, you know what? This is a good place to leave it off because the next time I have you on, if you'll come back we can on, talk about UBI. I'd, I'd love to get into that. I would love to get that. So before we sign off, Dan Muller is not chip gang. No, Dan Muller. I am. Me- Pro-human and anti-frog, though. Pro-human anti- <laughs> <laughs> Pro-human anti-frog. Dan Muller, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at the Dan Muller, and you can find me on 
Twitter, I think, under the same name. I think it's the same handle. Same handle? You can find me there. I do post you, Instagram videos. Now, you haven't, you haven't posted your YouTube videos yet, but do you have a YouTube channel in, in waiting? Uh, I have a YouTube name. I don't... You know, no. you don't want to point people there yet. So no. stay tuned. Follow no. him on Instagram. He'll keep you in the loop. He's launching a new YouTube page in 2019 with some high-res sexy drum videos. But if you want some lower-res sexy drum videos, they'll be on his Instagram shortly. Check out his uh, his work on the new Whale Neck release at whaleneck.bandcamp. Absolutely great release. Shout out to Justin Brower. Dan Muller, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, man. It's off the charts.